everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. I am back in the podcast studio with Sagan. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's only been two episodes. (laughs) They thought they could get rid of you, but you're back. I'm back. And uh, the contest is still going on. So at the end of the episode, the last time mm-hmm. Sagan was on here, we told you guys, hey, if you leave a review, which helps other people find the podcast, mm-hmm. we are going to comb through those reviews and randomly select someone who will receive a Join the Journey t-shirt, Join the Journey journal for adults and kids, the spiral version, mm-hmm. which are sold out. Hot you, commodity. You will not ever be able to get these again. So um, if your review has your name on it, we will track you down and make sure uh, the winner receives those items. And uh, Sayin, since we're jumping right in, I feel like we yeah. should get to know you a little bit more. You're 24 years old. Yeah. And you are somewhat recently married. Yes. One year anniversary just yeah. happened. What um, What is one thing that surprised you about being married? Oh, man. <laughs> Well, first, I'm really putting her on the spot just, here. She did not I know I was. Insert this quote from my husband that he said. The other day. If, if he'll be okay with it, yeah. What did he'll he be fine. What did he say? We passed our one year of marriage mark, and I made a comment the other day that said, "Well, we're still newlyweds. Like we're still navigating this life thing, being married." And he goes, "We're not newlyweds anymore." <laughs> and I just like, yeah, we are. You're like, we're not pros. Um, so that's just a fun fact. That's fun. Um, I think the most surprising thing about marriage has just been how much of a gift it can be. I don't—I I grew up seeing a myriad of marriages in my mm-hmm. life, um, and I think that I just always had a fear of, man, I don't want to tie myself down. I don't want to—like, just had all these lies built up about what marriage was. So the biggest surprise has just been the blessing and the gift that a Christ-centered marriage can be Mm. um, and getting to be refined by this person that they see the worst of you, but also that they can be your biggest encourager and your biggest supporter. And that's just been the sweetest thing for me to get to see. I love it. The biggest surprise. I love it. On that note, I say we jump right in. Let's do it. Genesis 22. Yes. Talking about Isaac. Yep. We were talking about Isaac. Um, Something my study Bible said was the genuineness of Abraham's obedience to God is being tested in this chapter. And I love the way that it said that. I think right out the gates, one thing I feel like we should assess is that testing is not tempting. Hmm. Um, That's important. Very important. Yeah. The Lord is testing Abraham um, to prove or disprove the genuineness of his faithful obedience. He is not tempting Abraham. God does not tempt us. That is the territory of the enemy. So that, I mean, Sagan, you're exactly right. That is James 1.13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So good. Yeah. So God's testing Abraham, you'd say. Yeah. God's word said it. And I love this story because this is the same man who lied twice about his wife being his sister, which I talked about the last time I was on the podcast. And he did that out of fear and in a lack of faith. But in this story, we get to see Abraham's faith be put on display. And we get to see his heart. And what's really cool to me is that's the heart God always saw, Hmm. even back in those chapters where we would read it and go, this man. (laughs) So we see an imperfect man with a faithful obedience, which should give us hope. Um, And so I just want to start with verse 1 through 2 which says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. 
and he said, Here I am. God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And I think what always stumps me is two things. One, we have to remember that in Genesis 15, why this is so important and what God is really asking of Abraham is God has made a promise to Abraham. In Genesis 15, five through six, God told Abraham, look to heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So God has promised Abraham this multitude of offspring. And Isaac is the son that this promise is supposedly coming through. Isaac is the son that Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for. He is their only son. Yet, here we are in Genesis 22, where God is asking Abraham to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. So that's huge. And I think that the second thing I would want us to see is in verse 3, it says that Abraham rose early in the morning. So Abraham had an urgent obedience in this situation that is basically God asking him to give up the thing that all these promises are supposed to come through. Yeah, it's also crazy, like, to think he's—so you're pregnant right now with Stevie Lee. Mm -hmm. We know that Isaac's old enough to carry the wood up this mountain, Mm -hmm. which, like, says something about, like, his strength, his— He's grown. He's grown. So it's not even, like, Isaac's this helpless infant, which I think sometimes I picture— like a toddler or yeah. something, yeah. A, a young little boy, but he's old enough to carry the wood for this burnt offering up the mountain as as if that was their normal routine when they were going to make offerings. And yeah. so there's also something to as a parent. It's not just that he's his only son. It's that he is now far into this journey of being a father. Right. It's not new anymore. Right. And I I think the grav like when I just let the gravity of that sit on my heart, my mind is blown by Abraham's willingness to obey in yeah. this in the story. Yeah. And Isaac's willingness honestly to follow his father. Yeah, it is as interesting. The son. Right. Like, he's being bound up and like you said, he's obviously not a little kid. And he's just obediently listening to his dad. Yeah, that his dad says God will provide and yeah. Isaac's like Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's go. It literally. So, like, what kind of example as a father did he set for his kid when it comes to trusting yeah, God? Yeah, he must have. He had to have. And I think that, like, ties right into that verse 8 of when Abraham tells him the Lord will provide a lamb. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we read this, we get to see Abraham trusting God, the same man who at one point felt like he had to lie about his wives um, to, to protect himself out of a fear, is now willing to take his son— through which all these promises are coming through, to be sacrificed out of his trust for God. And God did provide, and we see that. He provided a ram in the thicket to take the place of Isaac. And I think this is a shadow to show us what Jesus is going to do for us Mm -hmm. um, in the New Testament. The difference is, is that Isaac's son was spared through a sacrifice, and God's only son was crucified, and he was the atonement So that we could be spared. Absolutely. So that we could be the Isaac, in a yeah. sense. We could be the one that is spared. And and he is a promise keeper. And I just read this, and I also wonder if, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, Emma, because I think this is just where it's taking a personal turn. Um, but I think just reading this and getting to see the Lord um, show Abraham to his own faithfulness and his growth as well. And I know for me, I can beat myself up for my imperfections 
and I resonate with Paul um, in Romans 7 when he says he doesn't do the things he wants, but the very things he hates. And later in that same chapter, he says, it is not it is not any longer I who does these things, but the sin that dwells within me. And I think that it's not to be read as an excuse for sure to keep sinning, but to recognize there's a very real battle in a believer that goes on between the flesh and our spirit. And God isn't calling us to this perfect performance. Abraham was not a man who performed perfectly. Yeah. He was not perfect. No. <laughs> we talked about, yeah. Yeah. And, and he asks for a faithful heart, an obedient heart. And I just, I leave encouraged of 2 Corinthians 5, 17, which says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we find ourselves fully separated from sin. Mm -hmm. And sin is no longer our identity as a believer in Christ. Um, Our identity is in Christ, in that atonement, in that sacrifice. And so my brother and I have this phrase that we always say, and I really wanted to share it today with everybody. Um, We always say, you know, I will never be perfect and I could never be perfect. It's why I needed a perfect Savior. Mm. So I keep stumbling in the direction of Jesus and fighting the good fight on this side of heaven, waging war against my sin, praying to look more and more like Jesus with each passing day. And I just feel like we get to see that highlighted and put on display in this chapter and in this story through Abraham. I love it, Sagan. I think we can— Look at people like Abraham or Noah or David later when we get to Joseph and think about these Bible characters uh, only because only like what what only comes to mind is these stories, the willingness to faithfully sacrifice the son or the willingness to build an ark. They're they're highs. Mm -hmm. But we've got to see the highs in context with their lows because they weren't perfect. But the beautiful thing for us is that because Jesus carried the cross up the hill and was crucified and rose again, defeating the grave, we won't experience the fullness of that sacrifice until we are fully with him in perfection, without sin. Mm -hmm. And one day we get to look forward to experiencing the fullness of that gift when we are fully sanctified. But in the meantime, the fullness of God is freely offered to us as we navigate Mm -hmm. the Romans 7 and the brokenness of this world. So Sagan, we're out of time, but thank you for being here. I'm I'm really blessed by you and encouraged by your faithfulness serving right now and sharing with us on the microphone, but also behind the scenes for many months on this podcast. And um, maybe we'll get you back on sometime soon before you before you leave to go be a mom. Or maybe we'll have you back after and you can update us. But um, as always, I am so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Don't forget to leave a review. Leave a review. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.